Hi, I'm Dina, teacher and reluctant puppeteer turned host of La Bifana's Table, a podcast dedicated to the art of sacred hospitality, where each week listeners are invited to feast on real-life stories of hope and healing, as well as soul-nourishing conversations with folks from all walks of life who are utilizing their gifts in both small ways and large to make the world a more beautiful place. So pull up a seat, tell some friends, and become a part of a legendary story. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Labafana's Table. I'm your host, Dina Gregory. And today, I'm so excited to share with you a conversation I had with Genevieve Anderson, who is just a multi-hyphenated powerhouse of a woman, filmmaker, an artist, and now a social entrepreneur. She's the founder of One's Apparel in Action, which is a social enterprise committed to impacting the lives of women and men who've experienced homelessness and are coming through recovery. Through their Make It Work pilot program, One's teaches the basics of a trade in an environment that supports personal development and community building. One's flagship piece is known as the Super Suit, which is a high fashion jumpsuit designed with a tiny red cape as a wink to the superpower in each of us and a nudge to put that power into compassionate action. In our conversation today, we dive deep. We talk a lot about the gifts that one finds in the desert, both metaphorically and literally. So let's jump right in. So Genevieve, welcome to Lapafana's Table. Thank you so much, Dean. I'm so happy to be here. I really am. So you are the founder of One's Apparel in Action, and I just would love for you to tell us the journey, tell us your story in relation to what you're creating in the world. Thank you. Well, I'm a a filmmaker by profession, a, a producer and a filmmaker. Uh, an artist. And um, I came to this, to social entrepreneurship, because I really wanted to do something about the homeless crisis in Los Angeles. I, uh, when I was in, the, I was in the desert for four years. I went through a pretty awful divorce and my, took my young son to be near my family in Southern Arizona. Oh, and so you were in the desert, both metaphorically and literally. And actually, <laughs> I was, I was in the desert and everything they say about the desert it's funny looking back. I'm like, oh, I know exactly why I went to the, I, why it opened up. And, and seriously, like the most beautiful place, 80 acre farmhouse, walking distance to my mom's house. They had chickens and rose bushes and javelinas and cactus, like this incredible place to go and die, which is what happened. I went and I, and I died metaphorically, mm. but it, it felt like a death. And, and when was this? This is uh, 2015 to 2019. Mm-mm. And it was it was the worst thing I've ever gone through and the best. And so the jumpsuit, the super suit, and I've been I've been percolating this the jumpsuit for 20 years. I've been a hobby seamstress for most of my life. But the jumpsuit has just always been there. And I would make drawings and pictures and I'm going to make this jumpsuit someday. Don't know why seed was planted way back then, but it was in the desert. In one of these moments of emptying out and screaming at God and, you know, that it downloaded. I'm like, oh, the jumpsuit. And I just knew. And it was one. It was one Z. One. It was ones. I wanted it to be ones, but it was one NZ. NZ was a new night, new zeitgeist. And I started to formulate the, the logo. And I started to I'd take classes in Tempe, Arizona at Label Horde. 
about how to design and how to do flats and how to basically, how do I create this thing? So I became a student of it for a while and mm. um, spent a couple of years actually making um, a prototype, a, a couple of years in like seven versions <laughs> before I made this prototype that included this little cape on the back. And it was really for me, I made it for me. I made it for how I wanted to feel and how I needed to re-enter the world, like mm -hmm. as a new self, as my most powerful self, because I was so destroyed by my divorce and how it made me feel, how that failure made me feel. I literally, it was like, it was like the, my way of crawling out of the desert. I had to put something on that's like, this is me now. This is, I'm sexy and powerful. I got a cape and I'm ready to take on the world. Mm. And so it really was built from that. And then when I got back to, and I had also read while I was in the desert, Blake Mykofsky's book, um, he started Tom's Shoes. I read Start Something That Matters and it really, really moved me. I thought to myself, wow, you know, it's not just for other people. Starting businesses that can help and change and, and move things. Not anybody can do it, but, but certainly with will and a vision and, and all of these things that can be done. So that became a possibility for me while I was in the desert, um, that I could turn it into something, that I could do something with this magical jumpsuit that I made mm -hmm. for myself. So, so when I came back to LA, I was just horrified by what had happened with the homeless crisis. I mean, it had just gotten so much worse in those four years. You know, I thought, you know, maybe I can do with a jumpsuit <laughs> what Blake Mykoski did with the shoe, with the little alpaca mm -hmm. shoe, you know, so I just got to work figuring out how to manufacture a hundred of them. This is during the pandemic. Uh, this is during, cause I, yeah, when I came back, I was, I was finishing my movie and then releasing the film. And then with a pandemic hit, I was like, I'm going to start, figure out how to start this business. So mm. I just dove in. I dove in. I, I, you know, found manufacturer and found some help and took a bunch of classes here. Got some mentors through the, the SBA, found Hire You, which is where I met you. Mm -hmm. and started learning about what e-commerce was all about and this idea of social entrepreneurship and having a movement, creating a movement out of an entrepreneurial project. So mm. you said something that I'd love to kind of go in more, that you became a student of your jumpsuit. Like you were creating it, but how was it creating you in return? Do you, do you feel? Yeah. Um, boy. It, yeah, <laughs> I was just flooded with so many thoughts. I was flooded with this, this quote from Kierkegaard, which I won't, it's the, that the, the, the true ideas are the, the only, the only real ideas are the ideas of the shipwrecked because as mm -hmm. do the shipwrecked, like the, the, you will look around for something for which to grasp. And that ruthless glance, like absolutely sincere, because it is a matter of your salvation will cause you to bring order into the chaos of your life. So I was shipwrecked. Yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous. Look it up. That it's a beautiful quote. And these are the only real ideas. Like everything else is rhetoric and farce. Like that's the only, the only true thing is like, is built from that place. And mm. so I was a student. It, it was a tool, right? It, like I really had to put my hands on something. And my movie was that too. I had to put my hands on something and do something in order to get out of the desert, to get out of this state of being broken. Mm. And and the brokenness wasn't like I wasn't broken because I had a bad divorce. I feel like we have to break, right? Mm. This is going into Richard Rohr territory, but like we're here to be crushed. Yeah. So that we can become who we need to become. Yes. That was my, my crushing. And the joke. Everyone's like, it's so wonderful and transcendent. We're like, die. 
die, die, die. It's bloody and awful and continues to be. It's not like there's ever, I mean, right now I'm in a clouds parted place, which is great. Mm. But man, this journey, just getting out of the desert, I thought it would be over and I'm new and things are better. I'm by my ex-husband and I live together in the same house peacefully. We raise our son together. Like it was a, a, a full on miracle happened. No joke. Like a miracle occurred in that mm. desert. I mean, mm. and so anyway, so, so the, the studying the student part of it is that it wasn't, there's a difference, I think, when you go, I'm going to go and I'm going to make something because I want to do X, Y, or Z. I needed it. Mm. And I didn't know how to do it. So it taught, I just put my will into it. And it's been teaching and continues to teach me what, whatever it is I need to learn to be of service to the idea that is coming through me, you know. Mm. And here's the irony. All day long, you have to write. Why is a peril in action is a social entrepreneur. Blah, 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 blah. I have to talk about it and tell what it is and make a lean canvas and make a new lean canvas and make a business plan and map it all out. Here's how much going to make. Here's my page. Blah, blah, here's my model. Here's my, here's my customer. Here's my, you have to mm. be certain, right? About what it is and the need you're filling and how you're going to fill it. Mm-hmm. So the irony there is that, that, and I've struggled with all that all, all along now. My mentor, some of my mentors are, they love me, but they're fed up with me. They're like, God, Genevieve, just what is the, I'm like, look, I, I don't know. I've got them on the wall. They're all, my wall is plastered with my business model and lean canvas and my one sheet. And this is what it is. It's becoming whatever it is. It, you know, that is not making it what it is. I'm just mm. showing up, writing things down, having conversations. But what it is becoming is becoming despite anything that I'm saying about it or, you know, any, anything, any words I'm putting on a page, it's becoming what it needs to become. And that's it. And, and I'm in a really, really awesome and an interesting place where something big is shifting. Something mm-hmm. is actually it's becoming and it's kind of what I thought it was. It's, it'll be some version of that jumpsuits and sewing and apparel. Yeah. But it's this whole other thing that has to do with service and it has to do with how now ones is getting plugged into the Los Angeles mission and probably some other agencies directly to create workforce development programs. I'm developing a pilot one right now with the help of new economics for women, I'm still going to be selling jumpsuits and we're going to be making things. I'm going to be teaching a small group of women how to cut and sew. I teach in the, the job preparedness workshop. So I'm working already with people that I want to serve. Mm-hmm. We're coming through recovery and re-entering the world. That's, that's a beautiful thing right there because now I feel the, the thing that you needed to pull yourself out is now becoming the thing that other people... <laughs> maybe getting their hands on because I think there's an interesting thing in regards to healing, you know, the, the, the making and the tangibility and the, you know, that we're making ourselves and, and, you know, Mm. I I would love for you to just talk a little bit more of what that the suit is, you know, is it a symbol of strength and power or in some way, because I think it also shows our fragility, mm. right? This, this, because you're not saying I'm strong. You're strong from having been broken, mm-hmm. which is a very different kind of strength in the world. Yeah. And so I feel like your suit for me, as I look at it, that cocooning in a sense of, right? Like I'm safe here that you're cap- one is capable of creating their own safety. Yeah, interesting. 
absolutely, I would say it's safety. It's so many things. And what's fascinating to me is not just like what I put into it or how it came out. Like it's a great, I spent a lot of time and money on it. It's a really awesome jumpsuit. Like it's the way it's built and the way it fits and everything. It's, it's nice. People really love it. But, um, but that it, it, it's that it contains all of the things, you know what I mean? Like, so when I go, when I wear it in the world, I really can't almost nine times out of 10 that I'm in the suit in the world. I'm stopped men and women in equal measure, maybe more men than women. And they say, what, what do you got on? What is that? What do you, what do you do? Who are you? Like mm-hmm. it has a presence. It has its story. The story speaks through the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which to me is fascinating because it's, it's, it's not like Technicolor. It's, you know, I got a green one and a kind of a stone one and the, the little cape on the back. You can't even really see it unless I point it out because my hair is covering it. See, the logo's kind of, you know, colorful and whatnot. I, I, it's just, it's real. So it's colorful yeah. and it, but it's something about the suit that speaks that I find really interesting. And, and for me, the suit has been, um, it's like a, I call it the God suit only in certain, you know, in certain company. I can't like use that as promotion for the suit, but. It really is a God suit and it's a God suit because I needed it for my best self to come through, my God mm. self, my higher. It's like I had to literally build like a Superman outfit in order to be able to fly. And mm. I intended that for the suit for myself. Mm. So, and I wish that for people. And I feel that underneath all of this is a desire to help people. To wake to bring, up. I, I love how you said, you know, okay, maybe that's the God suit or maybe that's not the, how you're going to speak to everybody, but that, that for each person it's individual. And like, yeah. that's, um, I think there is a, there is a, it's frightening in many ways to bring your like inherent goodness into the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, why is that so hard to be born into this world? I know. I know, right? Don't be too, and that's why the, the, the cape is a wink because it's, you know what I mean? I, it's a wink at that. It's a wink yeah. at that. I'm dead serious about it, but we got to be funny. It's just, <laughs> it's too dorky and it's, people were too cynical and, but I, that is exactly what it is. You but know? you know, the, if that's your soul, that's your soul. Yeah. <laughs> I just, we only have one life. Why do you spend so much of it dicking around? Like, why do we mm. waste so much time? Being mm. mediocre, being half everything, mm. you know, like of all the time I've wasted being afraid, being small, you know, being, being, right. uh, yeah, doubtful, all that. And I, I think it's very interesting because you're stepping into the suit and it's the same way as like stepping into a, a role. We get so stuck in whatever our small self is and all yeah. of the crap that's, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's on us. That sometimes I think in the transformational journey, it really takes actually stepping into something else mm-hmm. physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Physically to then even begin to embody that. <laughs> to me, your suit is like, you know, the metamorphosis suit. And you know, yeah. it's like, okay, I'm going to step into this and let my body turn into like, you know, caterpillar goop. While mm-hmm. I transform into who I'm really supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's completely all that. Um, 
And what and whatever 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 is needed, like whatever a, yeah. an individual needs, and if it can call forth even a little little glimmer of here's your permission, mm. you know what I mean? If you needed permission or something, some mm. some some vehicle, some way to shift, you know your 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 inner being t- to sharpen it, to bring it alert in the world in some way, then great. Let this fun, awesome jumpsuit do it. Try it on and see it. Just see what happens, you know? Like, see, see. Well, that's the beauty of it. I, I, I love the beauty of your, because it, it's experiential, right? It's, you know, yeah. there's no like, is there a right way, a wrong way? Is it a God suit for one person? Is it just a gorgeous, like, <laughs> gorgeous uh, material that you want to wear in the world right. that makes you feel a certain way? And so I think that is the, that's the beauty of being allowed to be an individual with your own experience. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. And if it can help facilitate an opening in some way for, for someone, then, um, that, that, that idea really excites me that Mm -hmm. it could help shift our mind, you know, in, into a new register or just a, it opens a window, right? Like, Hey, check this out. Why we, you know, again, awakening from the slumber a little bit, which Mm -hmm. is what I, yeah, you know, and I'm interested, you know, in terms of from filmmaking to apparel, filmmaking is one way of creating a window into a new way of seeing. Yeah. Um, I did. I would love for you to speak about your film, Dust One. Was that when you, were you filming that when? I Yeah, that was kind of midway through. I think I started the suit in 2017, early 2017, different phases of it. And I shot Dust One in, in the summer of 2018. And then left the summer of 2019 while we mm. were finishing it. But yeah, that was, and that came about because another uh, project, the Two Lot of Solitude was supposed to go and we had been in Prague and, and we had signed a, a deal with a, with a Czech company and we were going to finally produce the movie, you know, which we've been, I had been working on for so long. And then it fell apart and I was like, nothing's working out for me. <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm in the middle of the desert. Nobody remembers who I am. And I, bah. Yes, I was having a, again, there was no like, the uh, the desert was all these things, but I was constantly like, who am I? What am I, what am I supposed to be doing here? I need a job. Like, I want to tell stories. How? And I was in an existential kind of, you know, a a deep existential crisis, actually. I don't mean mean to make light of it. It was a big deal. Yeah. And a girlfriend. On the other end of them, it's really yeah, <laughs> you're like that existential moment. Yeah, just a little. Oh man, or cold, heightened in the desert too. Like you think of the extremes of cold and hot, and it's just so shocking. And the same is true with feeling. Like it's just mm. really intense, you know. Anyway, a, a, a very very dear friend of mine who's older and wiser. She said, "Get off your ass and go make a movie. Stop complaining. You got a mm. camera. You're in the desert. Go tell a story." You know, just figure it out. And I was like, okay. So I did. I did. And then it just all kind of, anyway, it came together. And I've been working with the Samaritans and with Casa Alidas. And, and very. Can you give our listeners, I'm going to just pull you back just yeah. a second. Can you give us, our listeners, just a little setup of what, uh, of those who have not seen Dust One, what is, what is the, what is the film? And, and tell us, you know, what I'm particularly interested in because this is, you know, my line of work during the day. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're right there. Tubac is 30 miles north of the U.S.-Mexico border. 
And it is historically like a incredibly dynamic, violent, bloody piece of geography. Like it, and it carries that history. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It carries from the Spaniards coming and the Aztec wars and it, the U.S.-Mexico war. And it's just so much, right? Yeah. And so that all that tension is still there, right? And you've got you've got um, drug trafficking going on, a lot of drug trafficking and migrants crossing mm-hmm. the desert um, all the time and a lot of border patrol presence, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of tension and there's a lot of activity. The Samaritans drop water because people die in the desert because the wall pushes them out, right? It's mm-hmm. pre- prevention by deterrence, they call it, to get people to walk as far as they can around. They're more likely to die in the desert. Mm-hmm. So the Samaritans go and they drop water and the vigilantes go out and slash the water jugs. And I mean, it's just very ugly. And Casa Elitis is the place that that a lot of the asylum seekers are coming. And then and then it's a volunteer run organization in Tucson that helps place asylum seekers with their families in, in the United States. So it mm. helps facilitate them getting to where they need to go. So, yeah, all, all of that going on and, it, you know, Trump's presidency and the they're coming from Central America and the forces going in and putting the concertina wire up, getting ready for the surge coming over the wall and none of that was going on at all. I mean, the concertina wire was getting put up, but the military who were stationed doing that, they they had to rename it because it was Operation Border Security was what it was called. And all of them, all of the the men, service people hired to put it up were calling it Operation BS Mm -hmm. because it was a bunch of bullshit. And so they called it like Operation, I don't know, whatever, American Freedom or something stupid. And I was like, this is so, I mean, this is so interesting, right? And the thing we're missing, as we always do in this really stupid, incredibly stupid border security, absolutely. There's a lot of negative things coming in, but we we tend to say it's all or nothing. Mm. And Trump was painting a picture of it's the rapists and the druggies and the, and we're dumb enough to believe that. And of course, it's not the case at all. And this the border is arbitrary. We we are living in what used to be Mexico. Like there, there people are coming to see their families who for generations they've been crossing. It's not like they just want to get to your country to take your stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they, it, there's so much that was elided in in these really reductive arguments about who migrants are and what is going on. And so I wanted to tell the simplest story possible. Like I don't want to get into anything about politics. Yeah. That just feels, um, and that, that's a that's a boundary. I'm mo- I'm keeping here at La Bufana's table because I I feel that there's got to be a place where we can just sit in the humanity without the politics. You know, without the politics. And- I I I loved your film because there was so much humanity in it. Can you just tell a little bit of just who the characters are and what the what the premise is? Um, it's based on a man that I worked with at the Los Angeles Mental Health Association when I worked there. In my early 20s, I volunteered, this guy, Kenny, who was mentally ill and um, suffered a lot. And so, and I, but I, I taped all of our conversations and he had this really beautiful way of speaking mm-hmm. in parables and, and light and dark and angels and demons. And I just mm-hmm. found his language so beautiful. And so I used those transcripts for, for Kenny, who was, you know, a, who was, Basically, he's a dust. He's a dust one, which is duty status whereabouts unknown. He left his post. He was kicked out of the military for leaving and um, and for, you know, putting his regiment, whatever you call him, in, in danger. 
he was kicked out, and but he still wants to serve his country. Mm. He's mentally ill. Like he was never meant to fight in the in any war. Be you know, he's the innocent in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, the innocent who wants to serve but can't do what is demanded of him. So he hears the panic voices on the radio saying the bad guys are coming and you got to build a wall. So he builds a wall out of junk, but it's like yeah. 30 feet long. It's got a door in the middle and windows and it's like got to build the wall. And then there's two um, Border Patrol agents, one who is sympathetic to him and mm-hmm. understands what happened to him. And the other who's a Mexican-American who's got a big chip on his shoulder. And he's like, anybody coming through, you got to do it the right way, the legal way or, you know, or nothing. So they're very archetypical. Like it's a short thing, which is why I call it a fable. Good guy, bad guy, you know, light, dark, like really reduced and simple because I had 10 days and very limited funds. So there was a much bigger script and a much more complicated story mm-hmm. that got really, really boiled down just to Kenny and then his relationship with Marta, who's the migrant who gets lost on her way to the United States to earn um, money for a life-saving operation for her son, again, based on a true story that Mm -hmm. I read. So everybody's based on true. And then I worked with my stepbrother, who's a Border Patrol agent. Wow. He helped a lot with all of the Border Patrol stuff and what goes on, Mm. but then refused to see the movie once it was done. You got to give him credit. Give him credit. He he went as far as he could. Yeah, no, I'm grateful. I'm just like, wait a minute. Why? (laughs) Yeah. But, but interesting, because you realize that, 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 that an important part of all that is that even trying to have a conversation about hu- the humanity of these people means I'm anti-American. Because I want to have a nuanced conversation about humanity. Nope. Nope. They're migrants. They're, they're illegals. They're aliens. They're, they're, they, they have to stay behind that, you know, that, the barrier of that definition. So And... I think there's still a compassion for that because he can't be in a position to see their humanity. Exactly. To do his job. And, you know, in my day job, I, I work with unaccompanied children from the border. And I think it's easy to be on the humanitarian side of it. You know, oh, welcome. You know, here I am. Love of Fun's table to me is this place of, of welcome. Yeah. You know, it's it will press us truly uh, of our ability to to welcome. How much can we expand our hearts, and how much can we know the limitations of them? In many ways, I I can yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be in the that person's shoes because you know because that's a harder place to sit with in your own heart, yeah. like to take well, in the humanity and then do it's hard. How do you how do you do that? You <laughs> cut off your heart. <laughs> You close mm-hmm. your heart. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what happens. You close your heart, and in and in that, it's and it's never to make anything like we have the the crisis that we're that we're having. Um, Ai Weiwei did it. Did you see Human Human Flow by Ai Weiwei? He does a mm-hmm. documentary about it globally. You know, sort of what's happening with the climate refugees and what's happening with political oh. refugees. Like it is not just U.S. I mean, it's everywhere. And so how we're dealing with human beings who are being displaced, who want who want to come in and who need our help is is such a pivotal humanity. It's the pivotal humanitarian um, challenge of our time, mm-hmm. because how, how are we going to. And for me and going back to the jumpsuit, 
Yeah. It's not. And I'm not an uber liberal. I mean, I'm, I'm for, I, I'm probably more of a libertarian. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm as scared of the far left as I am of the far right. <laughs> Truth be told, you know what I mean? Like I, I <laughs> we need, we need rules. We need, we need process. We need regulation. We need all of those things, but, but without humanity, you know mm. what I mean? Without core uh, humanity, mm. we fail. Doesn't matter what we come up with. We've failed, in my opinion. And, and the, the, the crisis in my city of 60,000, 70,000 people living in cars and tents is a catastrophic failure of humanity. We all let it happen. And so when we think about helping, right, it's not even really so much helping the unfortunate or people who've fallen through the cracks. It's we have to figure out together what's happened. Like mm -hmm. we need the healing too. Like we will not be healed until we we are we are only we are called here to do one thing right to take care of the least among us you know the golden rule when we're not doing it you know we're not collectively and this is what drives me every single day not not the, the horror that i am not doing i am not doing what what the only thing that god called me here to do you know so and that's it I, I mean, that is, that's a beautiful driving force. And I, I appreciate what you're doing with the one suit and right. Cause that's what we are. We're one. We are one <laughs> as much as the division that everyone wants to make and the identity politics and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. You're one. And you know, I think it needs sometimes a super suit. Yeah. To deal with what the burden of that oneness requires. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Because it's not like you say, it's not, it's, it's actually really, really hard to sit with what that means. Oh. It's not, you know, uh, how much easier is it to be like them and us? I'm on the good side. You're on the bad side. I, I, a mentor of mine, Kathy Heller, um, who, who's inspired me to do this in podcasting. She, uh, she often, there's a story that she heard from a rabbi of where, where some of the one, you know, Everyone's so busy trying to be someone rather than being some of the one. Interesting. Interesting. That's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. And so as I as I as I look at you know at, at your your one's suit and and there's the beauty because we all have to I love that it's we're all on an individual journey is is hard, but we we are some of that one. And I, I love your super suit in in terms of that that we we become that we and we become that one as we kind of go through our own individual transformational journeys. You know, it's not it's not forced on us. You know, I think we um, get so many false sense of oneness mm -hmm. when it's really an, a them and an us. And we yeah. feel like, ah, oh, <laughs> right. But that demand and burden of oneness, it it requires a level of super suit <laughs> it requires a level a way deeper level you know as the world um you know that's my my aspiration for while the fun is table i don't know what's coming next in this beautiful human story i also don't want to know what's coming next i just want to be yeah. available to the moment to show up but you know how do we how, you know that you need the super suit in those types of ways or you need that thing that helps you bring forth dignity to each moment how do we have the most dignified kind of conversation or how do we how do we do this hard stuff 
Yeah. And, and it's in terms of consciousness and what we have to become. Mm. It's like, like, I don't do this because I like people. I, in <laughs> fact, the more I'm in LA, the less I like people, you know? I mean, we're pretty awful, me included. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I just, some, there's times that I'll just be like, what, are you, what is wrong with you, Genevieve? Like, you know, you're such a grump or like you just use that voice with that nice lady on the phone. And like, I'd be like, what, what is happening to me? So there's this, rage and this pinched the shortness and this that i am not immune to and it's floating around everywhere and i feel like the what we're talking about the humanity that we're talking about accessing is not the one that needs to like people Mm -hmm. or you know it's about our our real but that's the humanity it's the humanity of you know of knowing your limitations Mm -hmm. you know i think it's you know we've we've been thrown so much stuff in spirituality and all of this all of this stuff where it's like you start to realize like less and less. I wanted everybody. And you're like, no, I want to I want to transform myself and I want to share what my gift is in the world and I want it to do what it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that and that's it. And I think more of more of the humanity is going like, yeah, no, I, I don't like all people. Yeah. And we're not. That's, that's the most human thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it doesn't mean that I think caring for others and taking care of the least among us is more, again, it's like breaking down the, the, the idea that we're doing something nice or we're doing yes. something, we're just becoming who we, we need to be. We're coming who we need to be, which is care, which is like opening up the walls of this, of the ego identity and, and letting a bigger self come through, a bigger self, you know, who, who by dint of who we really are is generous and helpful. Um, and, and it helps where help is needed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not even becomes a, a natural imperative that yeah. we do that when, when we become who we are, mm. you know, well, I'm working on it. You know, I'm working on it. If I can clear the channel, clear all the gunk out and just show up and, and be with people who are in transition and doing something. And I've been there and it's really about presence, isn't it? Like what you're doing, you're showing up, presence, attention, alertness, you know, how can I help? What do we need here? What is, what needs to happen What's today? What's needed in the moment? What is needed? Yeah. Like what is the conversation that we need to be in right now? And we just, <clears throat> we figure it out. What is the spaciousness, right? How, how much more spacious can we make the conversation that we all are having on some level. We might not be speaking it yet, but we're all having a, a conversation mm. about this. And um, and you're creating space for that with this, I believe, you know. Yeah. And also just in your writing and the way that you, the way that you see the world and the way that you communicate about the world. I, oh, every time I read something you write, I'm like, wow, you're really paying attention, you know? Seriously, you really are. You're paying attention. And there's a charge to that language that makes me feel like some truth is being spoken. I mean, it's a fascinating time. Like, I just feel all this energetic stuff happening that I've never felt before. Mm. And I go, wow, it's super, supernatural right now, right? Like, it's like, it's, it's super, supernatural. <laughs> going on, you know? And the more we were feeling that and, and trying to create things, right, that, that somehow are conduits for this deeper energy, this higher energy, this... The, the fullness of us coming mm. through all of the destruction and the mayhem and everything of fullness is right, is trying to emerge. Yeah, and I, we all, I think we all play a part 
But yeah, there are some days I'm like, I think I'm going to just hide under a weighted blanket and not talk to anybody. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny. I this week because all this, this new stuff is happening and new conversations that are exciting. And I'm seeing where one's is going. And my response is to leave the office and go inside the house where the sun comes in through the window. And I just, I lay on, I just go, and I lay there for like 15 or 20 minutes. Just I'm lay on the ground and kind of go, because the inner, it's a lot of energy trying to pulse through. Like it's all this. And physically, sometimes I have to nap, right? It's, it's a fascinating time. There's so much potential for our, our growing right now. And you feel it. I feel it. I feel like it's just, it's a really remarkable, remarkable time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to come back and give us a, a, to be continued. But most of what I'm so excited about, uh, Lab of Fun is Table, as you know, we're not just a podcast, we're a community and creating the space for all of the friends of Lab of Funas to connect and where these yeah. beautiful ideas can emerge and where we can really be co-creative together. So I'm so excited for Genevieve to be another friend of Lab of Funas Table and for her to connect with all of you guys. I'm so happy to be here and I'm so excited to see where this goes. And, and like I say, everything that you, that you put out is very, it's, it's always very energizing to me. So oh, please keep it up. Thank you, know. you. Thank you so much. And where can people follow you? Get, let's, let's get all that good that you stuff. Know, promotional stuff in there. <laughs> sure. Yeah. We're on, on Facebook for the ones world. I always get it mixed up. It's One's World or The One's World for both uh, Facebook and Instagram. We don't have a lot of activity on Twitter or TikTok yet, but working on that. So this is my effort to that end. I love it. Genevieve, you are the best. Thank you so okay. much for coming to Lab of Fun's table and we will see you soon. Thanks so much for pulling up a seat to Lab of Fun's table. To get episodes sent direct to your inbox, as well as other perks such as access to our monthly community and connection hours, be sure to subscribe to my substack, dinagregory.substack.com. Ciao.